Welcome to the Don Pravda and Erica Gray show, The Twist. Welcome folks to The Twist. I'm Erica Gray. And I'm Don Pravda. Welcome. And today from St. Petersburg, we've got Mike from I Earl Gray, and we're going to talk about the sabotage that happened to the Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline. And Mike, before we go a little on, I want to say that I know that they're conducting an investigation, uh, but I've kind of conducted my own and I've come to the conclusion that Biden did it. But that's just my two cents. But I would like to hear, we would both like to hear what you have to say about this, because the real concern here is the fact that this does look like something that was done by the United States. And how now will Russia respond? That's a, a very good question. Thank you, uh, of course, for having me on your on your show. I will just bring up Nabenzia's quote from his speech at the U, uh, United Nations Security Council recently, because I, I think he summed it up really well in his last sentence. He said, colleagues, I hope all in this chamber realize to what dangerous line the perpetrators of this sabotage are driving us. I thought that's um, very insightful there from Vasily Nabenzia, the permanent representative of Russia, because that is very true indeed. And even if we take away any presumptions as to who did it, we, we don't know at this stage exactly who, but whomever was responsible, because nearly all nations that have commented agree that this was not um, a natural disaster. This was certainly man-made and premeditated. So whoever uh, was behind it um, seemingly had very nefarious motives in order to do it. Well, it's either someone who wanted to stoke the conflict between the West and Russia, or it's the United States. And it's my feeling that it's the, the United States. The Nord Stream 1 and 2 pipeline has been protested prior to the war in Ukraine. And both uh, houses, Republican and Democrats, are both against those pipelines. So it's almost a no-brainer to, at this time, commit that act of sabotage, blame it on the Russians, which makes no sense. And so that's the view I'm going in. I'm not sure, Don, what's your, your opinion on this? Uh, don't have the proof yet or the uh, distinct knowledge as to what has happened and by who. So it becomes to be or not to be, to sabotage or not to sabotage, who did it? Or was there in fact a mutual act of sabotage or saboteurs? It's a, it's a great drama that's unfolding. I mean, are they gonna one... be able to find out, Mike? I, is there a way in? Well, the Russians claim they have all the um, necessary evidence to conclude that it was indeed the USA. Uh, quite what those materials are, they haven't yet declared, but the Foreign Intelligence Service made that claim very um, clearly. I thought Vasily Nabinzia would be presenting it, much like he did with the biolabs in Ukraine. Uh, I believe they went to the UN and they put their evidence in the dossier and presented it for all to see. So clearly they weren't ready, uh, perhaps, at that time to do so. Perhaps they're keeping that card up their sleeve. The thing to note as well, let's move aside from the social media evidence that's been presented, such as Victoria Newland making 
a not-so-veiled threat, such as Biden also making his not-so-veiled threat. If we cast our minds back to 2015, the Swedish actually discovered uh, underwater drones. Uh, these were packed with explosives that were lying next to the Nord Stream pipeline. They claimed that the detonation or control cords had been cut from these drones. But in the article that I reported on and showed my viewers on my YouTube channel, um, or sorry, shared on my Telegram, I didn't report it on YouTube, they never divulged whose drone whose underwater craft this was. So they kept that to themselves. Um, I've, well, you've mentioned about an investigation. The Russians are already saying that it's simply a cover-up operation. And uh, given how tightly controlled these waters are by NATO, uh, the threats that were made by Estonia and the surrounding countries there, not threats, sorry, the boasts that how they controlled the waters with missile systems such that no Russian ship could leave St. Petersburg without being detected or even if necessary struck. Uh, it leaves uh, very little room for the idea that Russia um, was able to send anything like a submersible or a naval craft out there to commit this, which has lent the media, in my opinion, to posit that this was a far uh, longer premeditated um, self-act of sabotage, so in it to the point where they claim that Russia built in these explosives when they laid the pipes. What I find here in the United States is almost this view, I'm just among lay people, that the United States could not be possibly do something like this. And I think the United States very well could do something like this because I remember hearing, you know, the bill that wanted to be that uh, Ted Cruz wanted to pass against Nord Street Stream 2. And this was prior to anything, you know, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So there was so much protest against Nord Stream 1 and 2 by the United States. It's almost, I, I mean, I know I'm saying this without an investigation, but I think it's a no brainer that Biden did this. And, you know, it's almost like a third grader could almost figure this out. It's that simple. And yet, but you're right, the evidence isn't there, but I think it is. And I think what's also tragic is uh, when I listen to Nabensky, you know, speaking, and then you listen to the American counterpart, uh, it was so anti-Russia, everything that Russia is stating is propaganda. And that narrative is just unbelievable. But on this show, there's two sides to a story. We know the Russian side to the story. And so I declare we're, or I'm Russia friendly, and I'm not ashamed, and I'm not afraid to say that this show is Russia friendly, because Russia's narrative needs to be listened to. And if you look at the actions, there's actually a verse in the Bible that talks about by their actions, you'll know them. And if you look at the actions on the part of Ukraine right now and on the part of the West, the United States, why are none of these nations coming to the table with Russia? Why is that completely out of the question? for anything that Russia has asked for. And I didn't think that Russia's demands on the out onset of this were unreasonable. Ukraine is in its backyard. And why are we continuously pointing missiles at Russia when there was no threat? And what's interesting too about Biden 
is you've got Biden saying now that, see, this is why we told you that Nord Stream 1 and 2 was so dangerous because, you know, it gives Russia all this control and now Russia has damaged this. So I, I think this, this turned out to be a very nice scheme for the United States. They're killing several birds with one stone by this act of sabotage and also get to blame it on the Russians and make Russia look even worse than they're making Russia look. You're absolutely right. I'm actually going to backtrack you a little bit there. What made you quote the, that particular line of the Bible? Uh, it's one of my favorites because... Is it really? I find well, that one eerie. Of, one of my think... favorites in the sense of when you're dealing with people, people will tell you anything. And, and there's a lot of truth in that. And I find that in my personal life, but also when you see it even in politics. You know, for instance, this talk of democracy, you know, I think democracy is becoming a real smokescreen as to, but if you look at what they're doing, you're, you're not seeing the democracy. It's maybe, you know, like for instance, in Europe, it's not in its institutional structure, it's undemocratic. And it, it seems that this is more about control and we're gonna fight this to the death. And it's about product and acquiring the nation, you know, it, this is more about economy, in my opinion, at the end of the I, day. I asked you that question for a very, well, important reason. I, I, I'm afraid, I, I very much doubt that you caught Vladimir Putin's speech on Friday, I believe it was. Uh, was, was that his speech against the West? It was part of, yeah, he quoted Jesus and he said, by, by the fruits of their actions, ye shall know them. You have to be kidding me. I am well, not. I've got the clip. That, no. I, what do he, you think of that, Don? What do you think of that? By the way, Don, yeah. Don is from the, um, he hails from the Jewish community in New York City. So we're, oh. you know, we have, um, what do you think of that, I Don? Think, I think. Is that uh, amazing or what? Politicians have a knack for. Uh, manipulating quotes, I found it kind of interesting that he's uh, he's becoming a more devout Christian in these times and denouncing the West. But uh, I'm just wondering what's going on in his head. That's actually one of the great questions in America. What is he thinking? That's what people want to know. And he is a mysterious leader. And yet, let's be uh, honest, he, he has been a bold leader. And in, in the sense that, as, as Erica said, I do represent the Jewish community. He has protected the Jewish community and the dignity of the Christian community and its churches and synagogues for a long time. But we're seeing a very ruthless man, and we're trying to understand this country and this leader and his uh, Politburo and wondering what is the future? How long is this war gonna go on? And what is the real story with the pipeline? And that's going to be solved, I think, over the next few weeks, perhaps a month at, at latest. And we welcome uh, your, your powers of observance, sir. Well, on that note, uh, I agree with you absolutely that uh, certain quotes um, are often spun and used for their psychological effect on the target audience. And that, I agree, in this case, is uh, what was intended. Putin has 
been quite overt in in the use of Christian references. Now, this particular quote followed his absolute tirade against the depravity of Western society in which he was illustrating, do we want to have a society of parent one, parent two, of gender reaffirming uh, you know, stuff like this? And that's where he then finished on that segment, on that quote, saying that you know the West were holding themselves up to be all this uh, you know, leaders of democracy and all this when actually you can judge them by you know the fruits of their actions and it's not nothing that Russia wants to be any part of whatsoever. Now, why did he choose the the Christian quote there, quoting Jesus, is because of the conservative um, almost revival that we're seeing, not just in Russia. I mean, the people who subscribe to those traditional values and those conservative viewpoints, those who we've seen it in Italy with uh, Georgia Maloney. She's talked about God. She's talked about the family. She's talked about identity, all the things that she claims are under attack in the EU. And this is consistent with Putin's own criticisms of the West. If we sort of segue back to the pipeline, sorry again for going on that tangent. I just found that very eerie, Erica, of all the quotes that you that, that, that happened really, to be. Yes, that is very eerie. Sorry for, for cutting you off, but I did no, listen okay. to that. Actually, Don and I both listened to that. And I have to say that I really admire Putin for that. I admire him for taking that stand. And if anybody out there is listening, doesn't like my saying that, he's standing on Christian values. He's standing on biblical values. I'm gonna take a stand on that too. And I'm gonna stand along somebody that's gonna take a stand on that. But having said that, there is a contradiction to some people of his you know, espousing the Christian values. And then of course, this horrific war with the images and the continuation. So just, your opinion on that and not so much for myself because i then look at the united states which is a christian nation and we've been responsible for more wars and i also understand that this is very geostrategic on the part of russia there was almost no i mean war is unfortunate but it happens when nations can't come to a resolution so i'm not as critical on that aspect but some Americans are. So if you would want to speak to that, or some Christians are, or maybe some Jews are, if you would want to speak to that piece, and again, you know my opinion, but I'm interested to hear, you know, what you have to say. Well, uh, to tie into that, the, the overwhelming feedback I got on my live stream when I was broadcasting Putin's speech was the jealousy that Americans had for a leader who quoted Jesus, why isn't Biden quoting? Why isn't Biden using the Bible to guide his actions? Where is this extension of the olive branch? Where is the love thy neighbor? It's anything but from what I'm told in America today. This idea of loving your neighbor, it seems to have been lost. It's all, I'll divide you on this identity, this brand, this subdivision of society. It's not, it's very fragmented feeling. Whereas conversely, rightly or wrongly, Russian society is, it's not completely, but it's very much united. So we have sort of polar opposite of the spectrums here. And Putin himself said that there are those in the West who support our cause and we're very grateful for them. And I think some of these Christian conservative values are part of the reason for that.
I actually interviewed a Christian from Russia and he brought, I mean, he was talking about how great it was to live in Russia. He's originally an American. He's now living in Russia and it was a great show. It was very eye-opening from the Russian perspective, Nazis from the Russian perspective. And he also was saying that the sanctions are hurting the Christian missions in Russia right now. Oh, That's the shit. money that can't get through. Oh, of course. Yes. Sorry. Yeah. I was wondering how, and of course, yeah, the transfer of money that is, yeah, really unfortunate. Uh, a name I'll just quickly leave with you and your audience. Uh, there is a Russian Orthodox priest from America called Father Joseph Gleason. He has a substack called movingtorussia.substack.com and uh, he, he's putting out really excellent articles for free on Substack. Uh, obviously, there's some paid content given the model, but originally from America, um, disappointed, disillusioned by what he believed in his point of view as the degradation of society, the attack on the family, and since moved to Russia where he's a practicing Russian Orthodox priest. Wow. Well, also, I want to bring up, since we're talking about Putin and Biden, uh, Biden just came out and stated now that we would go to war over Taiwan. So with all this talk about, you know, Russia and all this focus on Russia and the war in Ukraine, well, what about, Amer I mean, America, are they not looking at the wars that America has started or the fact that now Biden comes out and states that we would fight for Taiwan? And by the way, you want to talk about all this money going for Ukraine? Right now, American cities are becoming so dangerous that I think, Don, you probably face just mm. as much danger in New York as some people in a war zone now because it's getting so bad. And the shootings throughout the United States, what's happening is the mentally ill are running mm. rampant. These severely mentally ill because there's no money to effectively treat them, institutionalize them, provide them housing. They're running the streets and they're committing horrific acts. And what's really upsetting, I think, to some Americans is how much money is going for wars and is not going to improve the United States. I don't think you have that problem in Russia. No, not at all. I would I, I'd describe what you've just told me as godlessness. Uh, this is what yes. I hear from America. Absolute, utter godlessness. Putin called it outright Satanism. He went that yes, far. Yes, I like that. I actually liked when he did that. I was blown away when Putin yeah. said I, I was taken aback a bit. You were taken yeah. aback too? Yeah, I was like, wow, he's really going for it. It was, a, it was an historic speech. It really was. I think one of the greatest speeches of our time. You don't have to like the man. Uh, you don't have to, you know, judge him as you as you wish or see fit. But the truth in his words, in certain aspects and regards, was just undeniable, as clear as day. Then you follow that up with Biden's stuttering, where he he was then sort of, uh, yeah, we're going to send thirteen more billion to Ukraine. Well, I looked at those figures, Biden, and four point five of them is just to pay salaries of the Ukrainian government. So that's going in. 10% for the big guy. That's going to feed the corruption that's led us partly to this situation today. It's going to go to arms manufacturers, uh, these people, you know, from a mm -hmm. God, supposedly God-fearing country, you know, thou shalt not kill, yet profits so greatly and handsomely from death and destruction and all this. The hypocr hypocrisy across the board, that's just one tiny little drop in a, an ocean of hypocrisy. And you can level those same accusations back at Russia, of hypocrisy, I mean, 
But the when it comes to, as you say, condemning someone else, people in glass houses shouldn't throw stones. Even even the Bible, Jesus warns about you know judging others, and we see them just godlessness. Well, not all across that, the and then, I mean, I'm an eschatologist. That's my my core. That's my start. And there's the predictions of nation rising against nation, and this level of depravity in society as we're and we're seeing this and exactly what you're talking about. But I, you know, so so you cannot help but pay attention to what Putin stated during that speech. It's it's a breath of fresh air to hear mm -hmm. that coming from a leader when you're right. There's so much immorality, lawlessness, depravity, so much that's being accepted in the name of democracy and in the name of, it, it's just mind boggling and mean. Can I challenge both of you to, to quote one other leader other than Putin who has recently cited the Bible or, or Jesus or anything like that? Well, we, we used to have Jimmy Carter doing that, ah. who was a one-term president, mm. but uh, religion is being used in politics more and more. And I'd have to say in that sense, uh, President Trump relied heavily on his vice president, Mike Pence, who was connected to the, the Christian evangelical community. And a large block of votes has gone to Mr. Trump and Mr. Pence due to their belief system. That's a good point, Don. That's a really good point. I forgot about that, Mike. Trump. I'd, I'd like to follow up with Don's point there as well, because um, Mr. Trump, uh, former President Trump, on his true social, I'm told, uh, made the point that no one is extending the olive branch and pres former President Trump offered to head up the team to broker a peace deal. Why is that coming from Trump? <laughs> why, why not Biden? Well, actually, uh, Don, you've met Biden a half a dozen I times. I have. I've met him a few dozen times. It's your impression. I have, I have worked in Capitol Hill. Mr. Biden's strongest suit is that he does know how to relate to people. He understands people. He gives his concentration to average folks at the time on the Hill who had questions. And of course, he has plenty to say about the bills that he is sponsoring and what he believes and what he does not believe in. Uh, I would like to ask uh, Mr. Mike a few questions, if I may. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, now we have a mysterious fellow in the background named Father Kirill. And of course, uh, we're Americans. Wow. Father Kirill is. Uh, back in Russia, he is head of the Orthodox Church. President Putin surely leans on this man as a source of strength and inspiration. Uh, your views on Father Carroll, and then, and then part two. We have seen, Mike, that there are, there is a draft that's happening in Russia. Many of the Russians, the young Russians, are simply leaving the country and going to places like Georgia and Albania. I'm trying to understand what is the enthusiasm of the soldiers in, in Russia. And part two is, do you expect that this will continue, that draftees will be fleeing the country into places like Finland, um, 
Georgia, Albania, perhaps Armenia, as we're hearing. What are your thoughts, sir? Uh, okay, so uh, I got to cast my mind back to yeah. Patriarch Kirill. Uh, was your first part of the question. I have to be frank and honest. I describe myself religiously as agnostic. Uh, that's partly due to having traveled the world at quite an early age. So I've been exposed to the teachings of uh, numerous uh, religions ranging from Buddhism, Hindu. Uh, I was raised as Church of England. Uh, so I've always had that. Um, but I, I would say I'm agnostic as a sort of way for me to draw upon the wisdom of many of the world's uh, teachings and religions. I believe they all have a lot of wisdom to share and I prefer not to not to exclude myself by subscribing to any one particular bit. That's for now, but I do find myself quoting the Bible or mentioning God uh, quite a lot, uh, partly because my audience can easily understand what I'm the point I'm trying to make. When it comes to Patriarch Kirill and Russian Orthodox Church, um, still actually quite a mystery to me. From my research on Vladimir Putin and his relationship with Patriarch Kirill, uh, I'm not sure how much sway or influence Patriarch Kirill has outside of consulting on religious uh, matters. I'm sure there are some other dealings as uh, there often is between heads of state and heads of religion. Um, there are other arrangements and so forth. But politically speaking, um, I suspect that given the strength of the conservative views we've, we've already discussed, I believe that's where uh, Patriarch Kirill uh, may come in. But that's I would, I would ask you just to take that more as a layman's, uh, even an outsider's perspective, given... Um, given my background and the fact that I'm an expat here in Russia. To move over to part two, you talked about the, the draft, the part mobilization or partial mobilization, it's been termed for now. This is the state troops. These are supposed to be um, people with relevant skills and have recently left the army. So they shouldn't take that long to train in theory i believe it's uh, sergey shoigu has said that it'll be about a month in truth it'll probably be more like two weeks and uh, they've seemingly been successful in doing so you're right that there has been a number um i'm gonna say in the tens of thousands uh, it would definitely be thousands that have left the country i know uh, a dual citizen friend of mine who has indeed done that as well the the truth is, as has been stated by official sources, those people leaving are not people Russia wants in to serve anyway. They can't leave to Finland because Finland closed the border to Russian. Uh, Russian, they, there's no tourism. To, Russians are not allowed in Finland anymore. Uh, this is following the Baltic states who banned Schengen visas to Russians. Uh, so that's all blocked off as well. Finland got upset with being a transit state for Russians, so they said, and they believed that these potential draftees were a security threat, they claimed. So actually, there's very few routes for Russians to leave from. Georgia and um, Armenia, I think, was another one. Kazakhstan being another popular one as well. These had FSB and military enlistment posts on the border, so that the advice was, if you don't want to be drafted, stay at home. 
because it's highly unlikely you'll, you'll receive your summons. However, if you run to the border, it's 100% guaranteed that you will get your um, summons because they will, of course, check the database and run through. The misconception in the Western media is that if you receive a summons, that's it. You are drafted, you are mobilized, and off you go. That's not actually the case. It was a voluntary time period for you to go to the enlistment office to update the records. Uh, Russia still... It's advanced in like banking ways, but in other ways, it's still very paper and bureaucratic. In one region, Magadan, for instance, they found that the database system was almost destroyed after years of neglect and no need, so they've had to rebuild that. In, in those inefficiencies, they've mobilized the wrong people. 59-year-old pensioner with type 2 diabetes, a schizophrenic, uh, all sorts of people wholly unsuited and unsuitable for it, which has been recognized and no doubt the West has read that Putin has admitted this uh, which I found very surprising you know you I would expect these stories to be suppressed including attacks against military enlistment officers arson attacks uh, even a shooting of a commissar I thought were, I didn't expect to see in the news because surely you know that might make people nervous about going down to the offices or anything but no Russia's been surprisingly open about all of these issues and stories the West has of course spun it at this point in time uh, the people that have left us viewed as traitors they're not not welcome here and I, I agree I subscribe to that um, I I'm fully prepared and willing if if Russia calls upon me to do my part but I think that's the old soldier in me because uh, having been ex-infantry, uh, I'm I'm used to being do, you know doing what I'm told and defending my not not like homeland in the sense of home of my birth, but this is where I live. This is where my home is, and yes, I, I see it's under threat from NATO, mm -hmm. and even English-speaking soldiers. We see videos of this. One final question: The European Union just issued more sanctions. And uh, I think on 1,300 Russians. And it seems that these sanctions now are even more crushing. So what is your commentary on the recent sanctions just issued by the European Union in, reg in regards to what they call the sham referendum? Yeah. Uh, I, well, from what I'm aware, I don't know all of the individual sanctions because many of the media just sort of bundled it up together. Uh, I know that Stopping one of them... all Russian... I believe the Russian imports into Europe are now not just... Uh, now it's all other products, many other products. Let's yeah, I even read this. about toilet paper, deodorant, <laughs> all the things that Germany would likely to need. <laughs> yeah, which <laughs> I'm not saying that Germany only got Russian toiletries, for instance. So I'm not saying they're going to go without. I just found that quite laughable, given they were told not to take showers and only use a flannel for certain parts of the body. I thought, well, you might want some extra cheap deodorant from Russia. So I thought that was a bit oh. self-defeating. Uh, also self-defeating is the proposed oil price cap. They've been toying with this idea before, but Biden put this forward as his strong uh, response which I find ridiculous. We've seen how that's worked with the idea of a gas price cap. It's just unworkable and detrimental. It completely backfires when they try to manipulate the market, because that's essentially what they're doing uh, with it. What I found, I was surprised that there were any more sanctions, because I thought they were sanctioned out. I thought they'd exhausted everything after eight rounds, I think, now, that the EU's gone into. What I found 
surprising and somewhat amusing was they've started to target individuals. Um, I've got here in front of me an article from CNN, and I'll quote it just uh, quickly. U.S. officials grudgingly acknowledge that Elvira Nabulina has done an effective job managing Russia through this initial phase of sanctions, just as she did in 2014 after the annexation of Crimea. This is Russia's central banker. So the U.S. is targeting her, and it, from if you're to believe CNN, for the crime of being good at her job. It goes on to say, Nabiolina has deftly raised interest rates, imposed capital controls and sought holes and workarounds to float an economy under siege. A good central banker can do things to buoy the currency. They have a very good central banker. We knew that then. We know it now. Well, I found that all pretty petty, in all truth. I'm not, sh I'm not sure I understand what this really achieves, because Elvira Nabiolina was unlikely, uh, I you know, uh, I don't know. She might have had dealings with the US, she might have had dealings with the EU. Uh, we really don't know, but it's also her deputies and so on. But they see Nabulina now as one of, quote, Putin's top lieutenants. Well, I understand why they're now bestowing her, on her this title, given her outstanding performance in rescuing the ruble from becoming Biden's rubble. But really, in all truth, the sanctions package are laughable. Uh, they're at best detrimental to the West, as all the others have been. They yes. are ineffectual uh, in the stated aim of bringing down Russia. I really don't understand how toiletries uh, fund Russia's war machine, as was one of the justifications that this was to damage Russia's war machine. When a war machine ran on toilet paper, I, I don't know. Uh, and, that's a, and that's an aside. Again, I, I find it futile. Um, and I'm led to the conclusion that this is sabotage of the EU, uh, orchestrated by the US, which is consistent with what we've seen with Nord Stream. This puts Germany in... Uh, actually, I wouldn't be understating it when I said a fatal position, because I fear for some poor souls this winter, it will prove to be a fatal situation for them. Oh, absolutely. It's definitely been shoot themselves in the foot sanctions. I mean, the sanctions, basically, they've just sunk the entire world practically into a recession. You've got inflation now that's globally, currencies are tanking. You have the United States increasing rates almost, I mean, they're, they're so in an opposite direction of where they were, you have to wonder if they're now not panicking. I mean, I'm almost expecting a run on the dollar possibly yeah. happening. The pound sterling it's... was crashing just the other right. day. So it's not just the dollar. Absolutely. Yes. Euros. The sterling, the euro, I mean, it's, but it all started with the shoot themselves in the foot sanctions. And what's so shocking is they're still going at it. In other words, they are determined. And then you've got Zelensky on the world stage expecting, you know, uh, Israel and everybody to just be there uh, for him. But that's a topic actually of another show. Yeah. We can talk about uh, Zelensky. Yeah, that would be a good one. Okay, well, then we'll, we'll have a, we have a rain date. That's the next topic is Zelensky. Right. I mean, I, I hear just this entitlement this uh, that he has on the world stage and then things that he's doing within Ukraine that are also dubious. And yet he's exonerated and he's viewed as like this hero. Yep, absolutely. With his Vogue magazine shoots, I think actually wasn't he featured in uh, Jerusalem? Uh, magazine 
most influential Jew of the year or, or something like that. I've got a is he in the Jerusalem Post. Yeah. Is he actually? I, I did see that, but I didn't look to see who was named. He was actually named by the Jerusalem Post. Yeah, he had a silhouette on the front cover and he was named, I think, as one of the top 50 most influential Jews. Really? We were just at the conference in New York. I'll send you a screenshot uh, over. It. it may have been Russian misinformation that I was given. So uh... well, he's the leader of his country, and he is Jewish. That makes him influential. Sure, sure. But you know, it's it's also interesting. I think in Israel, what's the policy in Israel? Some of it's mixed. I mean, it seems yes. mixed. Uh, those who understand what Putin has done for the Jewish community. And also there is a pending agreement with the Eurasian Union um, right now with uh, that Israel has with Russia. It's a pending agreement, trade agreement. So I can understand Israel not wanting to completely toe the West's line, but it seems in certain areas. But again, that's probably a topic again for another another yes. show. And uh, we're actually going to be running out of time, Mike, in two minutes. So to conclude, in my opinion, Biden did it. It's going to be the title of this show. <laughs> we'll see. I think it's almost a no-brainer. And then what we'll be waiting to see is when Russia concludes its investigation and uh, you know probably finds 100% that it was the United States, oh. what's Russia going to do next? Well, I'll I mean, say that Biden right, hasn't not... denied it yet. He hasn't said not... that the U.S. wasn't uh, culpable. And we're not poking mm. the Russian bear anymore. We're sticking a spear through the Russian bear. So I, I've, uh, you know, it's concerning. It's concerning. You know, what is Russia going to do next? And, you know, as this really ups the ante. It does. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for having yes, me. Yes, and it was so great having you. Thank and, you, sir. And Mike, we and will thank have you. for your you. insights. Yes, and hopefully my, my usual broadcasting will work next time, and <laughs> we will have you again for those other topics. Meanwhile, uh, God bless there in St. Petersburg and in Russia. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next time for more from Don Provda and Erica Gray for their twist on world news.